One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio, and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Well, uh, it's quite a day again. Uh, I'm not sure when we're ever going to have a quiet day uh, of rest where we can actually contemplate what's going on in the world, take it all in, consider it and wonder what might happen next. Because instead what we've got is one in, one out today. We've got Liz Truss. Uh, she's had her last cabinet meeting. Uh, she'll be speaking to us in about 10 minutes time. Her farewell address from the streets uh, of Downing Street, uh, from the steps of Downing Street, I should say. Then she's off uh, to see the King uh, to officially resign as Prime Minister, then Rishi Sunak uh, is going to go to see the King and become the next Prime Minister, the third Prime Minister uh, in just about as many months, four months I think, uh, technically speaking. Uh, we've still got people in the Conservative Party very unhappy about the fact that Rishi Sunak has kind of been anointed as the new Prime Minister. We've got lots of people telling us how he's going to calm the markets. We've got lots of people telling us how uh, he's going to be a good steward for the economy. He knows how the economy works. There's crowds of people outside of Downing Street. We'll be down there with him. Kate McCann is is here. Uh, Peter Cardwell, of course, as well. Both of them down in Downing Street giving us the lowdown on what's happening, telling us exactly who is likely to end up in the new Rishi Sunak cabinet. There's talk that Suella Braverman might come back. Uh, there's talk, of course, as well, uh, that Michael Gove might indeed come back. Will Rhys Mogg still have a job? Nobody's very sure. Uh, will it be the revenge of Sunak versus Boris Johnson? We're being told in some quarters that it was Rishi Sunak who basically told Boris uh, to F off and uh, get lost and basically stop running uh, into trouble and trying to wreck the party. We shall see if that all turns out to be true. It's going to be a very exciting day. We're going to hear Rishi Sunak's plans. He's going to make his own speech at Downing Street uh, in the 11 hour uh, after he's gone to see the king. And he'll be setting out his stall, basically, telling us what he thinks we should be doing first. He's got an awful lot on his plate. The in-tray itself is massive. In fact, the whole of 11 Downing Street, I think, is full up uh, with bits of paper of what things Rishi Sunak has to sort out. Is he going to sort out the NHS? Is he going to sort out the economy? Is he going to sort out the energy prices? Is he going to sort out the war in Ukraine? Is he going to sort out our relationship with America? Joe Biden apparently doesn't even know how to pronounce his name. We'll play you a clip from that later on. We'll be talking as well, of course, to Rod Little, uh, our man uh, who lives in a part of England the BBC have recently discovered. Uh, the BBC have been up there talking to poor people in Sunderland, the northeast of England, apparently a place unlikely to ever be visited by people from the BBC. They're walking around going, look, we've discovered some poor people. We've discovered them. They're paying 60% more for their food. I mean, it really is so ridiculous. That woman, by the way, that I was going on about yesterday, she's been suspended from the BBC uh, for being too biased. So that's at least a step in the right direction. Also, as if all of that wasn't enough, there's going to be an eclipse of the sun today around about the same time that Rishi Sunak is seeing the king. What could possibly go wrong? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let us get to the meat and bones of the situation here. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It is Talk TV. It's the only place to be. Rod Little wrote his column in the Sunday Times this weekend and said uh, it might well be 
that uh, everybody wants to have an election, but actually most people don't really enjoy them, and I think that's probably right. It's great for pundits, it's great for journalists, it's great for people who pontificate for a living, a bit like me. However, not everybody wants an election. Let's talk to Rod and see what he makes of it all. Rod, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very well indeed. Um, I'm glad to see that the BBC's finally discovered your part of the world. And if you saw their report the other day where they were walking around, it was as if they were, you know, discovering a new part of the Amazon rainforest with a little known crowd of people known as Northeasterners um, who apparently are struggling to pay 45 pence for a packet of pasta. No, they did that, they did that during the uh, lead up to the Brexit vote. Uh, they had this, uh, <coughs> it was called Brexit Street. And it was a <laughs> street in Stockton-upon-Tees, which was very pro-Brexit, obviously. And they they went there every now. And now we're going over to Brexit Street. And you would hear all these local people say that, I just want to get out of European Union. And so it was very funny. I mean, it Uh, is incredible, isn't it? They just don't get it, really. They continue not to get it. Um, No, it's a a bit like, uh, I suppose... One of my favourite moments on the BBC was on Desert Island Discs when Sue Lawley interviewed uh, a, a, an old blues man. I think it was maybe B.B. King or Albert King, someone like that. And it was just a mismatch between the two of them. So, I, I hear you once uh, were a friend of Howling Wolf. <laughs> yeah, he howling. extraordinary well this is the thing I mean I had a similar experience and an encounter yesterday with Grant Shapps who may or may not remain the Home Secretary hard to believe that he even is the Home Secretary but he actually incredulously asked me the question but don't you want to be uh, in a country which is the world leader in onshore wind and I went no not really (laughs) I said no not really and he was nobody clearly ever answered the question that way well I think you're ignorant Mike because whenever I go abroad I point out to foreigners as they come up to me that we are uh, the world's leading provider of onshore wind. <laughs> and they look at me with renewed respect. Yes, it's a great thing. Yeah, we haven't got thing. much much to boast <laughs> about at the moment, but no. that is certainly something well worth uh, <laughs> championing. But, I mean, this Conservative Party cannot carry on, surely, in the way that it has been carrying on, can it? No, I, I, I've got a horrible feeling that they've seen the light and are going to be all united for the next year or so. How disappointing. Uh, which is very disappointing if you're a, if you're a journalist. Uh, and uh, I think probably Rishi Sunak. I mean, I, I was mulling this over uh, last night with my wife, who's a down-the-line conservative, uh, about whether it was right for Rishi to tell Boris to get stuffed. Uh, you could see a certain unifying point in making Boris Holmes uh, foreign secretary, for example, yes, because he he excelled with Ukraine, um, and no one could have a go at him for the way he dealt with Ukraine. Um, but uh, I think that would be a problem. I think it would be a problem for our Brexit negotiations as well. And he, he's probably right on balance to tell Boris to get stuffed. I suspect. Yeah, I think the timing of Boris's return was probably not ideal, and 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 probably they have now finally done the right thing. But the trouble is, they've had several goes at it, um, and it's almost as if we're now supposed to forget what happened over the past six or seven weeks, which was an absolute disaster. Well, well, the the thing is, it, it, it's remarkable how the Conservatives have got themselves in this position, but they're now in kind of the position that the Labour Party used to be in, in that the Conservative Party activists are totally out of step with uh, the Conservative Party voters. Yeah. Uh, and and the, 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 that's what we saw under when Momentum was in charge of the Labour Party, mm. that, uh, that the activists were completely out of step with what 
with what the traditional Labour voter wanted. And it was interesting looking at the BBC's question time uh, last week to see how few people of those people who were previously Conservative Party voters wanted Boris back. You know, it was a, it was mm. four or five out of an audience of a couple of hundred. Yeah. Um, and I, I suspect that that's the same. I mean, talking to people around here, they don't really want Boris back, or most of them mm. don't. Uh, that isn't necessarily to say that there hasn't been a sort of coup in the party. Yes. You know, no, I, I think mean, there has. I think there's no doubt about that because I think um, that the party itself has become detached. And like you say, with momentum, I mean, Labour lost an awful lot of the people who didn't like momentum and a lot of the, the, the basic working yeah. class voters. And they'll never get them back. And I wonder uh, if this will be the same effect on the Conservative Party. An awful lot of them are leaning towards reform. Loads of them ring me every day to say we've just signed up to the Reform Party. We've well, given why, up aren't the they, why, aren't, why aren't they saying they've just joined up to the Social Democratic Party? That's what I want to know. Well, that's <laughs> a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm Your, your um, beloved leader, Mr. Clouston, tells me he's in talks with Richard Tice to sort of see whether you guys can do anything together. Yeah, well, uh, that would just be an electoral pact because, of course, we are a a party with a with a with a proper set of policies rather than a, an entertaining vanity project. Yes, uh, but on on the, on the Conservative Party, I mean, it, it's it's complex as well. There was no particular reason to believe that the Conservative Party voters, particularly those in the red wall seats up here, uh, were interested in. Liz Truss's uh, Hayek-inspired experiment in free market economics. Yeah. You know, up here, the red wall vote, it, it actually quite likes a bit of government intervention in the economy. Um, it, it, it doesn't agree with untravelled free market policies. It likes investment in industry. It likes, uh, it likes nationalisation yeah. sometimes, the right. utilities. Uh, and so it's a very complex thing for Rishi Sunak to navigate, uh, which is being neither free market, uh, but also keeping the money markets and the bond markets particularly on side. Uh, I mean, we'll see how he can do it. I just hope that they remain strong on the culture side of things, which, of course, Liz Truss wasn't. You know, she is a libertarian. Yeah. Um, she's not a conservative. A bit like Penny Morden from the other side. Yes. She's a liberal. You know, uh, one of the few areas which the Conservative Party has where it can draw in voters is on this thing which we've all forgotten about rightly i guess because the economy is the main issue but is is on this idea of the culture wars mm. which is which is still important to many people oh i think it is we're watching by the way the front door of downing street from which liz trust will emerge shortly to make her sort of farewell speech and i think rather ironic wasn't it that for somebody who was a worshipper of the free market that it was the free market that kind of took it down and took down all of her financial uh, plans because it just didn't like them. But I think the other thing that really finished her off was when she came out inexplicably uh, to say that she wanted to increase immigration, which is another really, really big, strong point for voting uh, Conservative for a lot of people. It is a massive reason for voting Conservative, and our immigration policy has been a disgrace for the last 20 years, mm. you know, and people are still coming in. If, if you were able to say to the electorate, we will have a cap and no more than 20,000 net will come in every year. You would, uh, well, actually, people probably wouldn't believe you. Uh, but if you were able to do that, then it would be very popular indeed. 
And yet no one seems able to do that. And again, you know, it's this trust being a libertarian. Libertarians believe that. Yeah. I mean, I was quite surprised yesterday. We spoke to Lloyd Russell Moyle, a Labour MP. And I said, oh, you know, when, when on earth are you going to give us what your immigration policy is? Um, we're awaiting. Uh, we're told that Liz Truss is about to emerge. I'm going to ask you to hold very, very shortly, if you don't mind, Rob, because I want to get your view on what she has to say for herself. But, yeah, Russell but, Moyle actually said yesterday that... Um, they would have a point system. And I've never heard Keir Starmer ever say that. Still less uh, Moyle. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's the last one to agree with something like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think Sir Keir Starmer has done a very, very good job mm. in triangulating Labour policy. And uh, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me hugely if he said that um, his party were... were Committed to here comes Liz. I'm just going to interrupt you, Rod. Sorry, Liz Truss is here. Her last speech as Prime Minister uh, of this nation. It has been a huge honour to be Prime Minister of this great country, in particular to lead the nation in mourning the death of Her Late Majesty the Queen after 70 years of service and welcoming the accession of His Majesty King Charles III. In just a short period, this government has acted urgently and decisively on the side of hard-working families and businesses. We reversed the national insurance increase. We helped millions of households with their energy bills and helped thousands of businesses avoid bankruptcy. We are taking back our energy independence, so we are never again beholden to global market fluctuations or malign foreign powers. From my time as Prime Minister, I am more convinced than ever that we need to be bold and confront the challenges that we face. As the Roman philosopher Seneca wrote, it's not because things are difficult that we do not dare, it's because we do not dare that they are difficult. We simply cannot afford to be a low-growth country where the government takes up an increasing share of our national wealth and where there are huge divides between different parts of our country. We need to take advantage of our Brexit freedoms to do things differently. This means delivering more freedom for our own citizens and restoring power to democratic institutions. It means lower taxes so people can keep more of the money that they earn. And it means delivering growth that will lead to more job security, higher wages, and greater opportunities for our children and grandchildren. Democracies must be able to deliver for their own people. We must be able to outcompete autocratic regimes where power lies in the hands of a few. And now more than ever, we must support Ukraine in their brave fight against Putin's aggression. Ukraine must prevail, and we must continue to strengthen our nation's defences. That's what I have been striving to achieve, and I wish Rishi Sunak every success for the good of our country. I want to thank Hugh, Francis Liberty, my family and friends, and all the team at Number 10 for their love, friendship, and support. I also want to thank my protection team. I look forward to spending more time in my constituency and continuing to serve South West Norfolk from the backbenches. 
Our country continues to battle through a storm. But I believe in Britain. I believe in the British people. And I know that brighter days lie ahead. Thank you. Liz Trust there with her farewell speech. Uh, she's now going to go off to see the King uh, to officially declare her uh, reign as Prime Minister over. Uh, after, of course, what it was famously just 44 days. I think she's managed to hang in now uh, for about 50-odd. Quite a difficult speech to make, I would imagine. Let's go now live to Kate McCann, uh, who's in Downing Street for us. She's political editor of Talk TV. Kate, very good morning to you. Good morning. So, um, quite a, quite a um, dignified farewell, I would say. Uh, she seemed to be more in control of her speech there than she has been when she was Prime Minister. Um What's the mood in Downing Street, would you say? Well, you might be able to hear the clapping behind me from her supporters, led, of course, by Therese Coffey, the Deputy Prime Minister, and currently still the Health Secretary, although for how long <laughs> is the big question of the day. The speech from Liz Truss was incredibly pointed. In her demeanour, she was smiling. She made a real point of looking up, of looking light, of looking happy. But her words were absolutely fascinating. She touched on what will be some of the most difficult points of Rishi Sunak's time in number 10. She touched on the fact that she'd reversed his policy, national insurance rises, said that was a really good thing. Some are suggesting that he might want to try and change that. So she's laying down a marker there. Also on growth, absolutely determined. The country needs to grow. And she read out a really interesting quote. She said, the difficult things we do not do, it's not because we don't dare, it's because it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm mashing it up now. It's not because things are difficult that we do not dare, it's because we do not dare that they are difficult. Now that was incredibly pointed. What she's saying there is I was right and you are going to see that I was right. She also talked about defence spending. Now that might be a really difficult moment for Rishi Sunak as Prime Minister. He hasn't yet guaranteed 3%. We know that's something that Defence Secretary Ben Wallace wants to see and the Defence Ministers too. Could that be a real moment of contention between him and his cabinet? I think what she's doing is essentially saying to those in the top jobs, you may well regret letting me go. And she told us where she's going to go, to the backbenches to spend more time with her constituents and to serve them uh, as a normal MP. So a really fascinating speech, I think, from Liz Truss there, but certainly laying down a marker to Rishi Sunak, who will step into Downing Street in just around an hour's time. Yeah, and then we'll hear what his plans are as well. And it's a very difficult role he's, he's about to take on. He's got a new cabinet to form, which he'll start doing presumably this afternoon. Stories of perhaps the return of Suella Braverman, perhaps the return of Michael Gove. What are, what are you hearing on the, on the, uh, on the grapevine? Yeah, I think some of the questions are what does Rishi Sunak do with those voices who don't perhaps naturally fall within his group of friends and supporters in Parliament? Because the one thing he's determined about is gathering a cabinet of the greatest talents of the Conservative Party. Now, at the moment, the cabinet as it stands is actually quite fairly evenly split in terms of who they all voted for. But positions like Defence Secretary, I mean, just have a think about Ben Wallace. He backed Boris Johnson. We know that Ben Wallace and Rishi Sunak don't necessarily see eye to eye. We've seen that play out in the newspapers during previous administrations. But of course, 
Ben Wallace is a favourite with the Tory members. He's got a good reputation as Defence Secretary and we are in the middle of a war. So would Rishi Sunak want to move him out of that position? I think that is a big question. Penny Morden, of course, is vying for Foreign Secretary, but will James Cleverly be moved, seen as a man doing a good job currently in that position? Also a Boris Johnson backer. And remember, Rishi Sunak will have to keep some of them in their positions. And then questions too about Grant Shapps, the Home Secretary, yes, but only for a very short time. Could that position be given to one of the closest allies of Mr Sunak? And then what does he do with people like Michael Gove, Steve Barclay, Gavin Williamson and Julian Smith? You know, both very in touch with the party and how it operates, but both, I think it's fair to say, have somewhat difficult reputations in some parts of the party. This cabinet has to be the bedrock of stability for Rishi Sunak's government, so he has to appoint the right people. We can't underestimate how difficult it's going to be to get this right, yeah. but everybody will be watching to see which areas of the party are best represented. And government policy has changed so much. I mean, it's almost as hard to remember what their policy is on things as it is to remember who's been in what cabinet position. So the Unite or Die line, which is on most of the front pages this morning, is the big question as well, isn't it? I mean, is the yeah, is it possible to unite the Conservative Party? A lot of people, and I'm one of them, don't think that you can unite it. Well, I think in terms of mood of the party at the moment, there's certainly a sense of relief descended here yesterday and also a determination, really, that they recognise. They've looked over the ledge, if you like, to what would be on the other side, essentially a general election and potential wipeout, and realise that they really do need to get serious now. Interestingly, Mike, the thing that keeps coming back when I speak to people around Rishi Sunak and others is this mention of the 2019 manifesto, and I think that will be the core, the way that Rishi Sunak will try to bring the party back together. He will keep mentioning the 2019 manifesto. I'd be surprised if we didn't hear it in his speech today, although who makes predictions in politics anymore? <laughs> He'll use that as the foundation of, of his time in office because essentially lots of people in the country did vote for that, including the Tory membership. And then he'll build on that by saying we've had COVID since then and we've had the war in Ukraine and that will allow him to make some very difficult decisions or at least make the argument for them. But then of course you come to, to the point about spending and about tax rises potentially. We know what Rishi Sunak had wanted to do if he had stayed in government, but will his party allow him to do it? I mean, it, it's really going to be an incredibly difficult few months for him. I think it will be. Kate, for the moment, thank you very much indeed. Kate McCann, political editor of Talk TV, there reporting live from Downing Street. Uh, we'll be going back there regularly because Rishi Sunak will be back there around about 11.15, just around about the time that there's an eclipse of the sun by a remarkable coincidence. Let's talk again to Rod Little, uh, Sunday Times columnist, spectator as well, of course. Rod, um, it's not often that uh, the stars collide with the appointment of a new prime minister, but so to have a, uh, an eclipse at exactly the same time as he's due to make his speech outside of Downing Street, it's rather tempting fate, isn't it? It certainly is, and that was a rather <laughs> wonderful kind of stuff you to Rishi, wasn't it? That, it was. That speech from Merlin's Trust, uh, who has clearly never heard of Seneca. No. Given, she given thought the she thought they were the people that made the COVID vaccine, I suspect. AstraZeneca. Yeah, right. or, or, or a certain laxity. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think Rishi Sunak will take any um, notice of that speech whatsoever. Mm. I noticed she's on her way to uh, uh, to, 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 to King Charles. Yes. To, to and, uh, doesn't he watch the television? Doesn't he know she's resigned? I mean, that could spare her a journey, couldn't it? I mean, well, she said when she when she actually did resign as as leader of the Tory Party last week, she said she'd already been to see King Charles. So I don't know why yeah. he has to get a double a double uh, a visit for some reason. 
is to presumably just to snigger at her from a, from a day. She's coming again, boys. Look, yeah. there she is. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it just gives him something to do. He hasn't, he hasn't had much to do recently, has he? No, no, he hasn't had much to do. I mean, I, the, the, the thing which I think Rishi Sunak will not do is let up on the defence expenditure. Mm. Uh, I, I think he would be in real, real trouble if that happened. Yes. Um, but it's almost and, as though his job now is to sort of throw a net over uh, all of the people in the Tory party who cause trouble and just make sure they don't go anywhere for a while or don't say anything for a while. Because like I was saying to Kate McCann, I have no idea, literally, what Tory party policy is anymore. I don't know what they think about immigration. I don't know what he's going to do about tax. I don't know what he's going to do about um, protecting us from these spiralling energy costs. I have no idea what their policy is going to be um, on treating the European Union in Northern Ireland differently to the way they treat them here. You know, literally, it's it's an open season for me. Well, he's... <clears throat> He's going to do nothing on tax uh, whatsoever. <laughs> well, well, let's hope so. Well, that's 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 the best we can hope for. He might well, put well, them well, up. Indeed. No, I don't think he'll put them up. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that Keir Starmer will put them up either. No. Uh, I, I think I think what he'll do is uh, is stick to plans which which of course were the plans which he made. Yes. Uh, and will, I'm going to start referring to Keir Starmer as the son referred to him this morning. Multi-millionaire Keir Starmer. I'm just going to keep saying that as long as people keep going on about the wealth of Rishi Sunak, I'm just going to call him multi-millionaire Keir Starmer. Well, you, you, if, if you if you wish to damage Labour, that is the way to do it. That and to show a picture of him down on one knee. Yes. Um, uh, if, if, if you can manage to get that on your programme every day for yes. the next few years. Well, do you know, I, I put out a tweet of that picture a couple of weekends ago. It got a million hits, mostly from yeah. Labour Party people wishing me ill. Uh, basically, yeah. so it was very good. But listen, Rod, um, we'll be watching with great interest. Thank you for that. Uh, we've got to run because uh, we're up against the clock here. There's an eclipse coming. There's a new Prime Minister coming. This is Talk TV, the place to be. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Rishi Sunak is a total hypocrite, uh, says Matt in Newcastle, and the points below are facts. He goes on about integrity but has been plotting his rise for well over a year. In addition, talks about bringing unity to the party, yet he has been driving division over the past few years in his ambition to become the Prime Minister. How can he be asking for these values when he has not displayed them himself? Talk about him having values, I don't think so, as his behaviour has demonstrated to the contrary. Well, an awful lot of people in the rank and file of the Conservative Party feel that way, um, but he says he's going to unite the party. Let's talk to Peter Cardwell, Talk TV's political editor, uh, right now and find out from him uh, what's going to happen. Peter, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. So, um, unite, unite or die is the message um, from Rishi Sunak. That didn't sound like a very united Liz Truss uh, falling in line behind the new Prime Minister to me. Yes, it's always difficult to be a former Prime Minister. Your role is always one that you sort of slightly carve out for yourself. Some people go very silent. Gordon Brown, we don't hear a huge amount from him, whereas some people uh, have rare interventions, it seems, every couple of 48 hours or so, like Tony Blair. But uh, certainly Liz Truss, who's at uh, Buckingham Palace at the moment, resigning, uh, talking to the King. Uh, she is someone who, certainly in her speech, there were a few uh, very unapologetic there, actually, in what she was talking about. Yeah. I thought the most striking thing was when she talked about her being more convinced than ever that bold action was a good idea. Mm. Um, try trying not to quasi quarting. <laughs> well, indeed, quasi quarting was very bold, and he wasn't very bold for very long, I'm afraid. Um, but the, the crux of the matter really is right. can, can he unite? We'll find out, I guess, at 11.15 roughly what Rishi Sunak's plans are. A lot of people asking the question, you know, what will he attack first? What will he prioritise? Um, what do you think that will be? 
I think there's got to be something on the cost of living. Obviously, on Monday, the Chancellor, and it will almost certainly still be Jeremy Hunt, will give the uh, fiscal statement. Unless that's postponed, we'll see and probably find out very shortly from Rishi Sunak when he gives his first speech as Prime Minister here in Downing Street in uh, about an hour's time. Uh, but certainly, uh, I mean, the Conservative Party is very united at the moment on paper anyway. You've got people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who said he was a big fan of Boris Johnson, indeed said Boris or bust, who then endorsed Rishi Sunak and said, isn't it great that he's the leader of the Conservative Party? I think... Uh, Lots of Conservative uh, MPs praising him at the moment, mainly because they want jobs in the reshuffle. And after the reshuffle, there are always winners and losers, and there will be some people who will be very unhappy with what happens then. And as soon as Rishi Sunak starts to do things, I mean, the odds are stacked against him at the moment in terms of the polls, the fact that the Conservative Party are so far behind, but also just how many very, very difficult issues there are uh, for any Prime Minister at any stage in terms of this country, the economy, of course, being the biggest one. So no matter what he does, he's going to annoy people if he uh, lowers taxes or probably more likely raises taxes, um, that's going to annoy people. And uh, in terms of the uh, energy uh, scheme that Liz Truss said she was so proud of, for example, that's going to end in April. What's Rishi Sunak going to do about that? We've been promised a review, but that was from Liz Truss. So another big thing, of course, is the uh, triple lock on pensions. Liz Truss committed to that, but will Rishi Sunak commit to it? Because a huge amount of public spending to say that pensioners, well, pensions are going to go up by over 10%. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I said to Rod Little just now, um, I'm sort of, my head's spinning as to what government policy currently is on anything because it's been U-turned so often during the past few weeks with Liz Truss, Quasi Kwarteng, uh, and then Jeremy Hunt coming in and changing it all. I'm not really sure what it is that Rishi Sunak's actual 2019 uh, package would look like because that's so long ago and so much has happened. It seems incredibly difficult, I would have thought, to implement most of what was in there. Well, Rishi Sunak knows he has a problem with mandate. He has a problem with confidence in terms of the fact that the Conservative government under Boris Johnson was voted in in 2019 and he has no sort of personal mandate, many people would argue. So he said over and over again, and people around him uh, tell me that they're going to go back to the 2019 manifesto, the fundamental points within that in terms of sorting out the police, sorting out the NHS, and uh, I mean, securing Brexit obviously was a big part of that. That appears to be done, but I mean, there's a a long tail of Brexit in regard to the Northern Ireland Protocol and in, on Thursday, Friday in Northern Ireland for example, that's going to be a big crisis First, uh, one of the first things that Rishi Sunak is going to have to deal with is the fact that probably won't be ministers in Northern Ireland so he's going to have to deal with that whether he likes it or not mm. so uh, I mean I would imagine a lot of the reshuffle, will, if not all of the cabinet reshuffle will be done today and then we'll see at Prime Minister's questions tomorrow and in the speech behind me in about an hour's time exactly what mm. Rishi Sunak is going to do what kind of Prime Minister he's going to be although we do know a lot about his views from the, I mean, he was criticised for not giving interviews in the last few days, he was criticised for not saying things publicly apart from last night. But, of course, over the summer, we heard so much from him. We heard so much from him and Liz Truss. So I don't think there will be that much doubt mm. in terms of what he thinks and what his beliefs are politically. And last week, we saw the Conservative Parliamentary Party reduced to a kind of a rabble, pushing and shoving each other, you know, weeping, laughing, making fun of one another. You know, when will we see the first test of his loyalty bonus, I suppose, is the question. You know, when will we see whether or not all of the MPs have come under his wing and have decided to vote with him on the next bill that they try to put through Parliament? 
Well, really, in the reshuffle this week, that's gonna we're gonna know very soon how, who's annoyed and who isn't. In terms of legislation, I mean, Parliament continues; it hasn't stopped at all. There hasn't been a recess because there hasn't been an election, and there's lots coming up this week. Questions to all sorts of ministers are happening, and, and there may well be legislation on what I mentioned a minute ago in terms of Northern Ireland. We'll see if there, there would have to be primary legislation to change things there. But in terms of Rishi Sunak, of course, there'll be Prime Minister's questions tomorrow. The sort of nerd off between him and Keir Starmer, and we'll see exactly what his approaches there will be very different from Boris Johnson versus Jeremy Corbyn for example um, the two the two men Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak will have probably a lot more in common in terms of their styles so that will be fascinating to see and of course I'll be in the studio with you for that Mike. Well they're both multi-millionaires for a start aren't they but that's uh, another story. Uh, very very good to talk to you Peter thank you very much indeed. Uh, we'll see you later on in the show as well. We'll be going backwards and forwards to Downing Street uh, with of course Peter Cardwell and Kate McCann. Let's go to the phones now to get your views on what's going on. Stuart uh, is in London. Hi Stuart. Good morning. Um, I was very upset when they got rid of Sorella Braverman because uh-huh. she had a, a row with Liz Truss. Cause Liz Truss wants more immigrants. Well, we've got 1.4 million foreign-born people in the country living on benefits. Yeah. Why don't we say you've got to work for your benefits? Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't see why we've got so many people on benefits to begin with, period. I think a lot of people should be working for their benefits. A lot of exactly. people should be should be not having their work topped up with benefits money just because the employer doesn't want to pay enough. Well, what we've done, we've just got people laying in bed all day long on benefits. Mm. It's absolutely ridiculous. Anyone on benefits, if you're you're physically fit and healthy, you should be working. All the fruit picking, all the rest of the stuff, Mm. these people could be doing. Yeah, of course. absolutely ridiculous. So you want to see the return of Suella, do you? I think she's brilliant. I think she's great home secretary. She's been a great home secretary. Her, I, want, I wanted either here, her or Ian Duncan Smith as mm. home secretary. Yeah, okay. Well, let's see if uh, either one of those two names appears later on uh, in the pot, because there will be already manoeuvrings going on for new cabinet posts and new people to be appointed. Karen, uh, is it in Devon? Morning, Karen. Morning, Mike. How are you? Very well indeed. What can I do for you? I'm just intrigued, really. I'm just watching this pantomime taking place. Yes. And I've got my own little... I'm sort of trying to think outside the box on this one. Mm. I was just looking at Rishi Sunak's uh, resignation letter. First line, it is with deep um, sadness that I am writing to you to resign from the government. Not the cabinet, uh, not as chancellor, the government. Right. So he's not in government, but he's now the prime minister. Yes. How does that work? a little odd. It is a little odd, isn't it? Also, he's the one man uh, who ran for the Prime Minister's job, didn't get it because he wasn't voted in enough numbers. And we're now told that he was supposedly saying to Boris Johnson on Sunday and Monday, um, you know, basically, we will crush you if you try and stand against us. Sorry, Mike, I've got a little theory on this. I've been watching it. And he went very off the radar, came out of government, went off the radar, lots of banking mates, and he Mm. he went off the radar. That's great. And he kept telling her during the hustings, and I'm no fan of any of them, but he kept telling the markets will crash, the markets. Now, I kept thinking to myself, are you telling them it's going to happen? Or are you predicting what? Anyway, what happens? The markets crash, like you said, right? Now, we all know that the people in grey suits with lots of money, when the market crashed, they buy short. He comes into power, the market rallies somewhat, everyone's made a killing. And I think we're watching quite a planned event here. Yes, I mean, I, it, it, it seems a bit too good to be true that suddenly the bloke who was absolutely determined to become Prime Minister from nine months before he resigned, when he made his Ready for Rishi uh, sort of website, has suddenly now become the Prime Minister. Well, all we've got to do is worry about our gas and electricity, obviously. That's all we 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Got to think about, Mike. But I'm watching, I don't know, I just get the feeling that we're, we're all being played here. And actually, everyone keeps saying, you guys, the commentators, you know, this doesn't make sense. This, this just doesn't seem right. Well, when it doesn't, and it doesn't pass the sniff test, step out of the box and have a different look at it from a different perspective. Well, luckily, that's what we do all the time here at the Independent Republic. But thank you for your help, Karen, because it's always good to look at the box and step out of it and look back into it to see if you've left anything behind in the box. There are so many analogies we can make about the box. We'll keep that up, shall we? 0344 499 1000 is the number. We're going to talk to Mike Wood, MP. We're going to take more of your calls because it's a big day today. Total uh, re- setting, if you like, of Downing Street. We've got Rishi Sunak coming in as the new Prime Minister. We've got an eclipse coming as well. Uh, It's all happening in the next half an hour. This is Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, Liz Truss has just officially resigned as Prime Minister. She's gone out uh, with a bit of a bang. Uh, She had a bit of a go at Rishi Sunak, talked about why growth is so important, uh, talked about how hard the job is going to be for him. I don't think there's anybody in any doubt about that. Uh, We'll play you a little bit of what she had to say right here. Then we're going to talk to John down in Cornwall. Then we've got Mike Wood MP as well. Let's have a look at what Liz had to say. It it has been a huge honour to be Prime Minister of this great country, in particular to lead the nation in mourning the death of Her Late Majesty the Queen after 70 years of service and welcoming the accession of His Majesty King Charles III. In just a short period, this government has acted urgently and decisively on the side of hard-working families and businesses. We reversed the national insurance increase. We helped millions of households with their energy bills 
and help thousands of businesses avoid bankruptcy. We are taking back our energy independence, so we are never again beholden to global market fluctuations or malign foreign powers. From my time as Prime Minister, I am more convinced than ever that we need to be bold and confront the challenges that we face. As the Roman philosopher Seneca wrote, it's not because things are difficult that we do not dare, it's because we do not dare that they are difficult. We simply cannot afford to be a low-growth country where the government takes up an increasing share of our national wealth. Liz Trust there uh, saying more or less what uh, she said at the start of her um, job as Prime Minister, that things are going to be difficult, um, but we don't dare to do difficult things, and that's dangerous. And so Rishi Sunak's caution, uh, which I think she was referring to there, may not be the best course of action. But let's see. We shall see whether Rishi Sunak is able to unite the Conservative Party, is able to stay the course, is able to remain Prime Minister uh, for a bit longer than uh, Liz Truss managed. We shall find out what he believes in uh, coming up in the next hour. Uh, But let's talk now to Mike Wood, Conservative MP uh, for Dudley South. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Very difficult time to take over as Prime Minister of this country, I would have thought. You know, it's in worse shape now than it was when Liz Truss took it over. Um, And the Conservative Party, as of last week, appeared to be a very disunited endeavour. What's the mood at the moment? Well, I think we saw uh, yesterday when the uh, result of the leadership election was uh, announced and then when Rishi addressed MPs and peers, actually that there is a real will to get behind the... uh, I don't know whether he's a new Prime Minister, soon to be Prime Minister, uh, because both the Conservative Party and actually the country really does depend on a period of stability. Uh, We need Rishi to uh, support. We know that he's got the the talent, the experience and the judgment to do a great great job in uh, in what are, as you said, extremely uh, difficult uh, circumstances and to actually bring some stability to the economy and to our society. The problem is, though, it wasn't an election, was it? And a lot of Conservative Party members have torn up their membership cards this morning and yesterday because they're not happy that Rishi Sunak is the Prime Minister because they didn't vote for him, uh, they didn't want him in the summer, and they don't want him now. Well, I think it is an election. It is an election in that, uh, yes, I'm in the bar of 100 MPs to nominate you. It's a significant bar, but if you haven't got the support of 100 members of parliament, then you really are going to struggle to do the job. Obviously, the uh, role of prime minister is that, you know, constitutionally, it is uh, given to the person most likely to be able to command a majority in the House of Commons. And if you can't even get 100 members of parliament to nominate you, you're going to really, really struggle during the, you know, sometimes will inevitably be uh, difficult in in parliament. So we know that uh, Boris did get the 100 supporters but uh, judged that now wasn't the right time for uh, to come back. Uh, we know that Rishi clearly got the 100 uh, supporters. We know that Penny didn't get 100 supporters, but I'm, I'm sure that everybody will uh, now be rowing in behind the, uh, the new Prime Minister and making sure that we make a success of this government and deliver on those uh, manifesto promises on which we were elected uh, three years ago. Well, I'm not entirely sure that that will happen in Westminster. It may do, but what it won't unite is the Conservative Party outside of uh, the Westminster Party. I mean, if it was up to you guys in the summer, Rishi Sunak probably would have won then against Liz Truss, but the feeling outside of Parliament is different, isn't it? Well, obviously, we don't know what the result would have been had it gone to a head-to-head vote amongst MPs in 
uh, in July. But what I do know is I've been a member of the Conservative Party for more than 30 years. I joined under Margaret Thatcher, uh, and I know that the Conservative Party, the Conservative membership, will put uh, the success of the country ahead of internal uh, bickering, that people will come together because we need uh, the new Prime Minister, our new party leaders to succeed in what is a really, really tough uh, job. We need him to stabilise the economy. We need him to uh, help those people who are struggling most with high cost of living at the moment. Uh, and then we need him to build an economy that delivers that prosperity so everybody is better off and can keep more of the money that they earn instead of uh, paying more of it in taxes. So do you think we should see Rishi Sunak today setting out that plan then, setting out even a roadmap to tax cuts? Because that's what people feel that they need to have. They need more money. Uh, they don't want the Conservative Party to be the party of high tax and high public spending. They want it to return to basics, don't they? Well, obviously, we saw the roadmap he set out in the summer during the rather longer uh, leadership contest. We know that uh, he had been planning to cut the basic rate of income tax in 2024 and then was planning to reduce income tax every year of the next uh, parliament. Clearly, we are now in different uh, economic uh, circumstances. The whole Western world is in a tough economic situation. But I have no doubt that Rishi's instinct, his strong desire, is to get taxes down as quickly as it is you know, economically sensible to do it. I mean, obviously, we need to demonstrate to everybody that we are still serious about fiscal responsibility, that we understand you can't just spend money that you haven't got and aren't going to uh, earn. You know, that's something that we criticise the Labour Party for uh, regularly, uh, you know, we do need to be a nation that's you know living living within our our means. But part of that deal obviously does mean that we're not taking more away from people who've earned money uh, than is uh, than is necessary. Well, uh, I don't know whether he's going to maintain what Liz Truss did—the reverse of the corporation tax increase—but that is taking more money away from people, isn't it? Twenty-five percent instead of nineteen percent—that's hardly going to create growth, is it? I mean, obviously, even at 25%, uh, yeah, we will be a relatively low um, rate of corp headline rate of corporation tax within uh, within major economies. I think under, in the G20, we still have the fourth lowest rate of uh, corporation tax. So uh, we're not suddenly going into a Scandinavian uh, model. But what's clear is that unless we can demonstrate to people and the people who obviously we borrowed money uh, from, particularly during the pandemic, that we have a serious plan to get the budget back in balance, a bit of sanity back into the nation's finances, then it will cost the country a lot, lot more in increased costs of borrowing, uh, in increased mortgage uh, mortgage payments for families around the country. And that really would be a disaster. That's why we need to get that balanced now. We need that reassurance. And I think Rishi is really the person to, uh, to reassure people. But since the Conservative Party made such a hash of the economy in the, this year alone, why on earth should anyone believe that you're going to fix it now? Because a lot of people think there should be a general election and the people should be able to choose if they have confidence in you uh, or whether they think they don't anymore. No, I mean, I don't accept the premise of that question at all. I mean, you Why know not? that. Well, you know. You don't that, think the Tories have made a hash of the economy? No, I don't. You know that inflation is, I think, it's 17% in Netherlands. We know that it's higher in uh, Germany. We know that they've just had two quarters of negative GDP growth, so they're officially in recession now. We know that the co uh, cost of average mortgages, cost of borrowing in the UK is typically still lower than it is in the United States, which is always seen as the baseline for, for safe 
uh, for, for, for safe lending. Uh, and so actually, no, I mean, this is a really a Western world problem. I think, you know, some of the decisions of last month clearly uh, made some of those pressures uh, greater. We know that a lot of that's been uh, resolved now. We're now seeing, obviously, uh, government long-term yields, uh, uh, guilt yields return to about the level they were uh, a month ago. We've seen, obviously, the currency is stabilising. We've seen the people have, again, got confidence that Britain is a good place to invest, that we can be trusted to repay the money that we've borrowed. But the problem is, if you say it's a Western uh, economic problem, then there's nothing really that Rishi Sunak can do to fix it, is there, if it's outside of his control? No, I mean, no, the pandemic was a, a global problem, but we saw how Rishi stepped up within days of becoming Chancellor and unveiled uh, support for people, for businesses, to protect jobs, to protect livelihoods that was unequaled in British uh, peacetime history because that was something that we could do to make sure that things were better here than they otherwise would be. So, yes, it is going to be difficult for countries around the world over the next six, 12 months. But I think having someone like Rishi running the country, somebody who uh, the markets as well as voters can be confident in, I think actually will make things better here in, in Britain and is best placed to be able to support people at what will be really challenging times for a lot of families going through this uh, through this winter. Well, we'll see how it all works out. Mike, thanks very much indeed. Mike Wood, Conservative MP for Dudley South. Uh, seems pretty sure that Rishi Sunak's going to steady the ship and he's going to make everything better. I'm not so sure. Are you? 0344 499 1000. Rishi Sunak becoming Prime Minister in the next hour. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Perhaps the best next step, says Amanda, would be for the media to stop stoking the fire. And sorry, I include talk radio in this and start some positive reporting. We have had three years of media scaremongering and negativity, morphing from COVID to politics, and it needs to stop. And you and your colleagues need to start talking up Britain. Don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Well, Amanda, if you listen to my show, you will know that I talk Britain up all the time. And I talk about what we need to do to protect Britain, uh, what we need to do to make Britain better, and what we need to do uh, to encourage those who run this country to remember that they represent us and that they need to do what we want them to do as opposed to what they think they should be doing right and that's the big difference between what we do and what everybody else does. Rishi Sunak, uh, it would appear, is now leaving Buckingham Palace. Uh, the cavalcade is on its way to Maybe Downing Street, and he will, of course, be bringing you all of that um, as soon uh, as he gets to Downing Street. He'll be making his speech, and we'll be bringing that to you live right here on Talk TV. Peter Cardwell is back with us, uh, Talk Radio's political editor down there uh, in Downing Street. Um, I don't think the media is responsible for the mess that the Tory party find themselves in, do you, Peter? No, I don't think it's about media. I don't think it's about communications. Um, I mean, the, the Titanic didn't have a communications problem. The Titanic had an iceberg problem. Yeah. Um, and I think that politics over the past two or three years has just been, in fact, you could probably date it back to 2015, actually, has just been so dramatic. There's been so much happening. And certainly many people feel that it's for, for the worst, certainly in the last uh, few months with Liz Truss and so on. So um, I don't think you blame the media for reporting what's happening. No, exactly right. I think that also there's been a battle. I mean, there were several headlines over the weekend that talked about a battle for the soul, the soul and possibly even the heart of the Conservative Party, which was being pitted as Boris versus Rishi. You know, Boris is out of the picture now. What happens to him, do you think? Does he remain on the back benches? Does he stay out of the, uh, uh, the, sort of the, the cluster, if you like, for want of a better word? And does he go off and make his millions, um, make his speeches in America? 
He certainly stayed pretty quiet when Liz Truss was Prime Minister. There wasn't much that we heard from him. He appeared to be on holiday for most of the time. I would imagine that he will go off and make his millions, make uh, speeches. One of them, he got £150,000 for a 30-minute speech. So, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't who could essentially blame him if people are going to give you that amount of money for a speech. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up with a column in the Daily Mail or the Daily Telegraph, for Mm. example. He, of course, was a journalist for most of his career, and lots of people will be bidding for the book as well in terms of the real story of what has happened to Boris Johnson over the last few years. In terms of his return to politics, I think that's probably unlikely. Uh, He's also in quite a tight seat in Uxbridge and South Ryslip, uh, um, uh, the seat for which he represents as an MP. He's got a relatively small majority, I think it's about 5,000 or so, and uh, he will, that will be a seat that a lot of people will want to take in the next election, so too uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of political parties, including Labour, will want to take in the next election. So to avoid humiliation there and to avoid actually losing a seat and being on that platform and being seen as a loser uh, in the 2024 election, uh, I would imagine that Boris Johnson will perhaps indicate that he's not going to stand there. We'll see what happens, but in terms of political comeback, I think it's unlikely for Boris Johnson. He did, he, I mean, he says he got the numbers to get on the ballot, but chose not to. Um, I'd give a sort of fairly healthy uh, kilogram or two of salt on that one. But um, although the 1922 shall, committee you know, did, did confirm, the 1922 committee did confirm that the numbers were there yesterday. So I mean, I don't. I think that's neither here uh, nor maybe there. I should, maybe I shouldn't be so cynical, but I think yeah, I think maybe I shouldn't be so cynical. But yes, it probably is neither here nor there. But if he thought he could actually win, um, I imagine he would have stayed in there. I mean, Boris Johnson is not someone, is someone who usually does things for other people. He usually does mm. things for himself. But um, certainly we can, uh, he will remain a, a big figure in British political life and, and our sort of cultural life yes. as well. He's not going to go away. Um, and and he's, he's a youngish man. So um, I'm sure we'll hear plenty of him uh, in the years to come. Yeah, well, he might have just worked out, actually, that the, the economy and, and the state of the nation is actually worse now than it was when he left it. Um, so he may not need to do all that hard work to try and repair it. So maybe. Rishi Sunak's coming. So, Mike, Rishi Sunak's um, uh, 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 car is coming through the gates of Downing Street at the moment. Uh, we are just moments away here from seeing Rishi Sunak. Um, the, uh, let me see, I'm actually just going to, the doors are opening at the moment. I'm actually just going to get up on this. Yeah, he's uh, just going to be walking up Downing Street. He is walking up Downing Street now, and uh, he is now the Prime Minister, of course. He's been to Buckingham Palace, and uh, the snapper's going crazy to watch the new Prime Minister walking up. Here we are. He's coming to the podium, and I will get out of the way yes. as we see Rishi Sunak uh, get up to the podium, and his first remarks as Prime Minister are coming in just a few seconds, Mike. Rishi Here Sunak. we go. Let's hear it. Good morning. I've just been to Buckingham Palace and accepted His Majesty the King's invitation to form a government in his name. It is only right to explain why I'm standing here as your new Prime Minister. Right now, our country is facing a profound economic crisis. The aftermath of COVID still lingers. Putin's war in Ukraine has destabilized energy markets and supply chains the world over. I want to pay tribute to my predecessor, Liz Truss. She was not wrong to want to improve growth in this country. It is a noble aim. And I admired her restlessness to create change. 
but some mistakes were made. Not born of ill will or bad intentions. Quite the opposite, in fact. But mistakes nonetheless. And I have been elected as leader of my party and your Prime Minister, in part, to fix them. And that work begins immediately. I will place economic stability and confidence at the heart of this government's agenda. This will mean difficult decisions to come. But you saw me during COVID doing everything I could to protect people and businesses with schemes like furlough. There are always limits, more so now than ever. But I promise you this, I will bring that same compassion to the challenges we face today. The government I lead will not leave the next generation, your children and grandchildren, with a debt to settle that we were too weak to pay ourselves. I will unite our country, not with words, but with action. I will work day in and day out to deliver for you. This government will have integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. Trust is earned and I will earn yours. I will always be grateful to Boris Johnson for his incredible achievements as Prime Minister and I treasure his warmth and generosity of spirit. And I know he would agree that the mandate my party earned in 2019 is not the sole property of any one individual. It is a mandate that belongs to and unites all of us. And the heart of that mandate is our manifesto. I will deliver on its promise a stronger NHS, better schools, safer streets, control of our borders, protecting our environment, supporting our armed forces, levelling up and building an economy that embraces the opportunities of Brexit, where businesses invest, innovate and create jobs. I understand how difficult this moment is. After the billions of pounds it cost us to combat COVID, after all the dislocation that caused in the midst of a terrible war that must be seen successfully to its conclusions, I fully appreciate how hard things are. And I understand too that I have work to do to restore trust after all that has happened. All I can say is that I am not daunted. I know the high office I have accepted
service comes along, but when the opportunity to serve comes along, you cannot question the moment, only your willingness. So I stand here before you, ready to lead our country into the future, to put your needs above politics, to reach out and build a government that represents the very best traditions of my party. Together, we can achieve incredible things. We will create a future worthy of the sacrifices so many have made and fill tomorrow and every day thereafter with hope. Thank you. Rishi Sunak uh, speaking there for the first time as Prime Minister. Uh, he is, of course, now the new Prime Minister of this uh, country of ours. Um, he's just been to see Prince, uh, King Charles, I should say, uh, and he is setting out his stall. No real specifics in that speech whatsoever, uh, but just a kind of indication that he was going to lead the country uh, in a sort of moral way, i.e. not like Boris Johnson. Uh, I think that was the message he was giving, that he would be more um, capable than Liz Truss, uh, even though he thanked her. Um, quite a dull speech, but there he is, the new Prime Minister, for all to see. What do you make of it? 0344 499 Let's speak to Kate McCann, uh, Talk TV's political editor. Kate, um, not particularly inspirational, you might say, but, but perhaps what people in the party want to hear. Well, I think what Rishi Sunak had to do with that speech was really to set the agenda for his government. And he did do that there. There is no cheering crowd of Conservative special advisor supporters over my shoulder. He was there alone without his family, of course. And I think really the tone of that speech was about the seriousness of the job that's in front of him. He said, I'm not daunted by the high office that I have just taken. But he also made clear that there will be some very difficult decisions to be taken. And he understands that and he's prepared to take them. I think one of the things that really stuck out for me was where he said that he will not force our children to pay the prices for the decisions that have been made essentially on his watch during the previous government and of course during his time in office. Now that indicates to me that he will potentially be thinking about things like raising taxes, like cutting public spending. There is around a £40 billion black hole, although we don't know the full specifics of that and we won't until we see that OBR forecast that he's going to have to fill. Now, those won't be easy decisions for him to take. There was a couple of other notable points in that speech. I thought he made reference to Boris Johnson and the warmth of the former Prime Minister. He also nodded to Liz Truss. He said that the mistakes that had been made, and he did repeat the line about those mistakes, they were not done intentionally. There was no bad feeling or no bad intention behind the policies that Liz Truss had pursued, but ultimately they were the wrong ones. And he said that he'd been put into office to try and clean those mistakes up. I think really the thrust of what Rishi Sunak was trying to do today was to calm political and economic waters too. He mentioned some of the things that will be on his agenda, like securing defence spending, like levelling up, a phrase that we haven't heard much of during Liz Truss's few weeks in office. But Mike, remember just before we spoke after Liz Truss's speech and I said to you that I think the 2019 manifesto will loom quite large mm. for this government. Well, it did. It was in that speech, front and centre. And the reason for that is that that is what Rishi Sunak will point to when people ask, well, who elected you? Who voted for you? What's your mandate? He said very clearly here in the streets, 
That 2019 manifesto, that mandate, doesn't belong to Boris Johnson. It's owned by this party, and he said he will deliver on it. That's what he hopes, and he said it himself, can unite his party and hopefully the country around the agenda, which will be, as we've talked about, very difficult in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, we watched Nadine Dorries last night um, uh, doing Piers Morgan's show um, quite well, I thought, actually. Um, it looked like she'd been doing it all of her life, but, but she was sort of, you know, shall we say, lukewarm when she was asked if she would support uh, Rishi Sunak. She said, of course she would, because he is the leader of the party and he is the prime minister. But, you know, you got the sense that she was doing that slightly unwillingly. I read this morning as well that Boris Johnson has yet to congratulate him uh, for becoming prime minister. Um, do we expect to hear from Boris on this at all? I expect we will at some point, yes, but there will always be people within this party and, to be fair, within every single political party who don't feel fully attuned to the leader of the day. That's true of the Labour Party, just like it is true of the Tories. They are a fairly broad church and most people who've worked here for a long time will tell you that there are some people in the Conservative Party who would be closer to some Labour MPs on some issues and others who are a million miles away. It is always a broad church. But the point about Nadine Dorries and others, you know, they did back Boris Johnson. Some of those people are in the cabinet, Ben Wallace, for example, James Cleverly. But the party has essentially looked over the precipice now. They've seen what's on the other side of it, and it doesn't look good. It's basically electoral defeat. It is a general election unless they can prove that Rishi Sunak has that mandate, that authority to now govern inside number 10. And they don't like it. They don't want to go to the polls again. They don't want to take that risk. So now really is last chance saloon for the Conservatives. Mm. Even if they don't really like Rishi Sunak, they have to get behind him. And as we were saying before, Mike, the one thing that he's got in his favour now is appointing a cabinet that looks like it is all sides of the party. If everyone feels they have a say around that cabinet table and he really does listen to them, well, he might have a chance. And it was a much more serious version of Rishi Sunak today than the one we saw in some of those hustings events in the summer where he was trying to kind of, I thought a little bit too hard, trying to become this kind of slightly entertaining figure. He would bounce out on the stage and sort of wave his arms around and smile and try and tell jokes. That doesn't really suit him. doesn't suit most politicians. Um, I mean, he looked more prime ministerial today. Sometimes that's a question that people get asked. Um, and he looks like a, a serious individual. It's a different moment, isn't it? It's a different atmosphere, a completely different time in just a very short few weeks. We've seen things turn around in this country and there is a lot of fear. Lots of people seeing the prices in the shops go up exponentially. They are worried about how they're going to pay their electricity bills. And I think he understands that and he's trying to reflect that. I mean, one of the weaknesses that some people inside the Conservative Party say that Rishi Sunak has is whether or not he can show that he's really in touch with real people's lives because he is a very wealthy man. And that's something that he knows he needs to count so that professional attitude, that accountability that he was talking about in that speech, it started here today, you know, stripped back, no family, no supporters, no cheering, you know, not that big fanfare that you would usually see. In fact, not much of a smile, a really serious dour tone. And the intention is to prove, as I said before, to his party and to the economic markets that he is the man for the job. Yeah. Because the one thing that Rishi Sunak had in this leadership contest was that economic background and that credibility. But now he's got to apply that to a very different time, mm. completely different to when he was formerly in the Treasury. And so for the timetable of the afternoon, should we be seeing people walking up and down Downing Street in the traditional manner, being called in to see if they want to do a job uh, would he have any trouble filling any of the jobs 
We'll definitely see some of those cabinet appointments. I mean, the first thing that Rishi Sunak has to formally uh, confirm is that Jeremy Hunt will remain as Chancellor. Mm. That is the expectation, but of course, until we hear it from the Prime Minister, nothing is set in stone. The same for that 31st of October statement. Most people expect that that will still go ahead on Monday, but that needs to be confirmed formally by the Prime Minister too. And then some of those top jobs, like we were saying before, you know, Penny Morden potentially to Foreign Secretary, that means moving James Cleverly out. Where does he go? And then some of the supporters that have stuck with Mr Sunak through thick and thin, even when in the summer it looked like it could no, it could go nowhere. People like Mel Stride, Julian Smith, Gavin Williamson, you know, will there be jobs for them? And then you get into the realms of talking about Michael Gove too and potentially moving Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, who is, to be fair, quite a popular figure, but not necessarily on the same wavelength mm. as Rishi Sunak. We are going to see those cabinet appointments come quickly. And, and I expect what we will get from Rishi Sunak's team is that immediate sense of urgency, the idea that I'm in here now, I've, I'm getting down to the job, there's no fluff, no fanfare, and I'm going to start making changes quickly. I mean, you saw the speed that Jeremy Hunt had to act when he first came into the job of Chancellor, giving statements, speaking to the Commons, making sure the markets understood that the party had a grasp of this. That hasn't gone away. The markets may look more stable, but things could change quickly. So mm. Rishi Sunak will be keen to keep up with that and make sure that everybody understands that that is top of his priority list. Yeah, and I mean, are they now going to have to govern with the markets in mind at all times? Because clearly what Liz Trust got wrong was that she didn't really understand or can contemplate what the markets would do when she made her uh, quasi-quartang announcement. And so now it would seem that they kind of hold all the cards almost. I don't think that's quite right. I think what we've seen exposed over the last couple of weeks was how fragile the underlying environment was in the economic situation in the UK. Something that anybody who was involved in economics and reporting business probably would have been aware of, but a lot of other people were not aware of just how weak things were looking. For example, the pound against the dollar, that's been in that situation for quite some time. The pensions market and talking about long-term guilt investments. I mean, those things have been, you know, not in the greatest of places. I think it has been exposed by Liz Truss economic policy. Rishi Sunak will have that in mind, but remember this is about confidence and trust. The markets at the moment are flighty, yes, because they didn't feel like they had a fair run-in from Liz Truss's government. They didn't have their expectations managed. Rishi Sunak knows better than that. He's done this before. He's given budget statements before. He knows what needs to be done. You know, there is a suggestion that Jeremy Hunt was going to set up an economic council. Will we still see that of, of all of those big names in investment and hedge funds? Doing that helps to improve the lines of communication between those who do essentially run the economics of the country and the world and those who run policy here in Downing Street. There will be an awareness, yes, but also I think what Rishi Sunak is going to have to do is look to, uh, look in two different directions. Yes, the economics and the markets, but families too, because some of those decisions will be on a collision course with one another. You know, for example, showing that you can save £40 billion from a black hole in uh, borrowing which is what the markets want to see, that credibility, is going to mean some really difficult choices for families. You know, could we see taxes rise? Well, we've been talking this morning about food prices going up exponentially, about the cost of pasta and oil and all the things we buy every day going up by 40, 50, 60% in the shops. That's not manageable over the long term, and he sees that too. And remember, there's a Bank of England decision coming on interest rates just in the next couple of weeks. So all of those things will be in the mix, but I think Rishi Sunak will have a clear eye on what this policy looks like for families as well as what it looks like for those investing in the city. OK. Fascinating times. Kate, thank you very much indeed. Kate McCann uh, reporting into us there from Downing Street. Talks to his political editor. She'll be here uh, with us all through the day uh, as the reverberations start to uh, take effect as different members of the Tory party, some who have been in Cabinet before, some who haven't, 
walking up the road to see whether they're going to be given an appointment uh, with the new government, which is literally being formed as we speak. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.